Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 97 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. Today I'm chatting with Maya Sutherland. I knew of Maya from a Facebook group and then we were sitting on the same table for dinner at the PHC conference in May. So let me tell you a bit about Maya. Maya Sutherland has treated people's health through acupuncture and massage for nearly 30 years. A child of hippie parents from a hippie town, she grew up firmly entrenched in the belief system that fruits and vegetables are superfoods and animal products are bad. After enough of a lifetime getting sicker and fatter, she discovered the transformative world of ketosis. This journey over the last three years has changed much of her belief, replacing it with quantifiable understanding of what helps a human animal to be more optimised. So enthused by these revelations, she is in the process of writing a book, hoping to inspire others anywhere in the world on a budget and education to simply and enjoyably reverse their own disease process using the power of low carbohydrate, feasting and fasting. Let's go and hear the interview. Welcome, Maya, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Hi, good morning. (laughs) And we always start with where in the world are you? Um, I'm down in Totnes in Devon in the UK. And so start by telling us a little bit about your journey and how you came to low-carb keto. Um, So basically, I was born and bred in Totnes, which is a a little hippie town um, where there are huge quantities of um, organic uh, vegetables and ethically well-raised animals for meat. So we've got Riverford Farm down the road, which is, I think, Britain's second largest or largest organic farm. I don't know, but they have their shops in town. So I've I've basically grown up in an environment which just says that um, fruit and veg are superfoods and to be a vegetarian or a vegan is the best thing you can do for yourself, the planet and everything. And um, I grew up fairly typically in a hippie, typically for here, not for you know, <laughs> the rest of the planet, but typically for here. Um, so I was brought up vegetarian, uh, never ate meat, um, did a bit of pescatarian when I was older, but but basically as a baby child, whatever, didn't eat any meat. Um, and used to think that that was the healthiest thing in the whole world um whilst i sort of slowly fell apart mm. um and and got a bit sicker and sicker into my 40s which i think is kind of a common a common story really but um 
for for anyone who ends up going low carb keto there's usually a background i think of ill health or or pains or something that leads you to feeling like you're not doing the right thing yeah so i guess a lot of people come from a junk food perspective and a and a lack of education that way i was very educated in another way but but i don't think correctly from from what i now understand so um i always had a background in in health and um longevity and uh just a real focus basically on wanting people to be healthy wanting myself to be healthy um so i trained as a masseur when i was about 20 and did that for 12 years and then there was a crossover where i became an acupuncturist since 2002 mm-hmm. uh, and i used to spend my winters in asia so i used to um do acupuncture in a fasting spa for about 16 years so I did lots of fasting and used to see patients through their fasting process. So were they were they long fasts or sh- shorter fasts that we commonly do now? The spa itself offered a seven day fast, but it was flexible. You could add days on if you felt like it. Um, so I used to do between eight and twelve days, or yeah, eight and twelve days um, twice a year, about every six months. How did you feel after that? Um, I felt absolutely amazing um for about two months and then slowly um what i was doing would bring back all the original problems and weight and everything and then i would remedy it by fasting again Mm. Um, and the fast itself was a kind of a supported fast in that you it wasn't like water only it was um um bentonite clay and psyllium husk drinks that were in watermelon or, or pineapple juice and coconuts uh, and um, kind of supplement, pill supplements that were meant to supplement, kind of support the organs. And also um, they were called chompers. They were to help remove plaque off the intestine. Um, And then there were two coffee buckets uh, up the arse a day as well. (laughs) So it was was a full-on experience. Um, I thought it was absolutely beyond fabulous. Uh, over time, my body got very resistant to the pills and the drinks and they started making me feel really sick. And I just started having to change because I think the body just adapts to whatever you do, really. Yeah. So, yeah, that made me look at other things a bit. So how long were you a vegetarian before you introduced fish? Um, I I had fish off and on. I used to eat fish maybe once a month uh, from like from the 20s onwards. Uh, I'm 48 now. I ate my first meat dish when I was 42, so not very long ago. And the effect of that was um, unbelievable, um, unbelievable. In what, in what sense? Um, I'd had a motorbike crash um, in 2008 and I'd hit my head and I had no short-term memory for eight years. And basically, I met this lady at the spa. So loads of people who come to this place called the spa, loads of people would come there and they would um, go vegan or go vegetarian and fast and go fruitarian. And it, it that was the ethos of that place. And I ordered my first ever meat dish in the <laughs> restaurant there because I met this lady and she started telling me about having been a, a vegetarian. She started talking about when she ate her first meat after like 10 years or something and how amazing she felt. And the more she was talking, the more I was, my whole body just looked at her and went, I want that feeling. Mm. And it was really primal. 
it was a really primal kind of need. So I ordered this chicken dish. I had stir fried garlic pepper, stir fried chicken, and I ate it 23 times in a month. <laughs> and at the end of that month, my short-term memory came back. It, it was when you've not done something for the whole of your life and then you start doing it, you know the effect it has. And so I had never eaten meat. I'd eaten, I think I'd eaten what, three tastes of chicken in my whole life uh, by 42. And I was having my bits of fish and I didn't eat many eggs and I didn't eat dairy. You know, I was like really fruit, fruity and vegetables. That was, that was my basic thing. And then, and then, because not all vegetarians are healthy, eh? Uh, I no. chocolate crisps, uh, toast, things like that. Yeah. So, so yeah. But your protein? Well, I didn't. I didn't like pulses. I don't like. Um, I didn't like lentils. I, I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know I didn't either. It's it's only since changing that I realise how deficient I was. Yeah. Because I I often berate myself because. Yeah, we were told that vegetarian is healthy and it's good for you. And, you know, look at elephants, they're big and strong and they just eat vegetation. And so when my kids were born, they, I made them vegetarian. Mm. And, but I never gave them any protein. And I just wonder how much I've hurt them really in a way by not giving them enough protein at that time when they're massively growing. But you obviously had the same thing as well. And and from a child's perspective, I wish I'd been given meat. I I know from from my brain's response, I didn't have a short-term memory for eight years. If I'd met you and we'd had a conversation for five hours and then I met you again four days later, I had no idea I'd met you and I'd have no idea we'd had a conversation. And that was eight years of my life. I used to take photos of everything to prove that I'd been there because I I have no memory of, I mean, I have a bad memory anyway, but that that was a very particular thing that was induced by this bike crash and a bang on my head. Yeah. And um, after I ate this chicken, for, I stopped craving it. Then I didn't eat it again for a few years until keto. So, yeah. so it, it, my body then didn't want it after that. And I think a lot of my desire for how I eat was led by my head, not by my body. Whereas now it's led by my body, not my head. Yeah. So I think you, you have to have a certain amount of, um, I think this is a problem with Western or with humans. We think, therefore we are, isn't it? That's the thing. And we think our, our primary intelligence is seen as being this very important thing at the detriment of our body's in, innate intelligence. Yeah. So I, I definitely denied my body's innate intelligence by what I thought I was doing right. And I see that a lot with with people who are going vegan and stuff a lot of the time you know there's that initial honeymoon period isn't there with any dietary change where you really take care of yourself and look after yourself and you feel great but then the long-term the long-term deficiencies take that time to come out and it's it's fascinating to go from my theory you know that blueberries are a superfood <laughs> to uh eating my first bit of red meat which I'd never done but we haven't even talked about keto yet this is yeah. this this is like three years down the line where I'm at rather than at the beginning kind of thing. But. Yeah. But it's quite interesting because I've had a few people on the podcast that were long time vegetarians, 27 years, 30 years, and then their bodies were falling apart. And um, Lisa Bailey, who we had on right, right in the early days, and then we did a repeat and now she's been back with us again. 
um, she spoke about how she lost her sense of um, smell and taste uh, for 20 years. And it was only once she started eating meat that it came back. But on the, on the other flip side of it, um, I spoke to a lady, Canaan, who's not low carb and she, um, and she's a vegetarian. So she'd eaten meat all her life. And then five years ago, she decided to be vegetarian and she feels fantastic. Mm. And she says, if she didn't feel fantastic, she would go back to eating meat. So it's, it's not a, it's just something that she fell into and she's kept going and she feels good. Mm. It's funny how we all, we are all different and we all react differently and we go from one extreme to the other yeah. sometimes. Definitely. Definitely. Anyway, so carry on with your story. Sorry to interrupt you. I'll just I'll just talk about starting with the with the actual keto. Yeah, what led you to that? Uh accident. It was an accident. So this fasting spa had never mentioned ketosis, even though every single person who fasted was in fasting ketosis. Um they broke their fast with uh, a plate of fruit, usually mango and papaya. For me, is what I used to break it with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that shows a lot about a lack of understanding of the process. You just put your body through of dropping the whole insulin and, and going into this amazing state where your where your insulin's low, your ketones are up, and your fat burning, and then suddenly you break it with with a pile of fruit is now is phenomenal but at the time I thought it was um, I thought it was amazing to do do it like that it felt like brilliant but um basically I started uh having kind of chronic pain and I was really heavy I was like well not really 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 heavy but um compared to now about a stone stone and a half more or something so I was I was about 84 kilos I think when I started now I'm 75 something like that or and I fluctuate between being 12 kilos less than when I began to eight kilos, depending on whatever's going on. But it seems to be a fairly even between those two numbers. But um, I had, uh, my knees were swelling up. They were creaking. Um, I was just in pain. I just had pain everywhere, neck, shoulders. I had headaches. I started having to go to sleep in the afternoons and um, eating loads of chocolate and sugar and, and crisps and stuff like that. And, feeling awful went to the states where it all got amplified um a lot because i think the quality of food in america is phenomenally bad compared to totness yeah we have this amazing soil and and it's locally grown and it it's just the quality of the nutrients here i think is phenomenal Mm. um and there there was sugar added to everything so we got into it was a family situation and a family dynamic and we got into the whole comfort comfort sugar comfort and every drink had so much syrup added to it because it was all like you know mocha this and I don't know caramel that and uh so by the time I came back to England after a month I was I was properly broken basically and I just I got in and I had a funny dream which said can you do an Outlander retreat and I was like Outlander's a tv series yeah, all right, I'll do that. So I basically decided I'd water fast because I I'd done a couple of those and I knew that was the best thing I could do to reduce inflammation. So I started water fasting and I watched I think at that point four series of Outlander on my sofa. <laughs> <laughs> but but basically I decided I would do a long fast and I got to day 8 and my mum turned around and said um I'm going to fast as well. And 
this completely freaked me out because one thing the fasting spa showed me was that um well what they said was there were there were little signs everywhere which said uh, any fool can fast but only a wise man breaks his fast properly and i knew that how my at that point i thought it was fruit but i knew that how my mum would break would be really important mm. because i was doing a long one i was i i thought for myself as well so basically we spent i she did 8 days in the end um and and i did 16 and because i was so concerned about how we would break i started googling a lot about fasting and found jason fung Jason basically kept talking about fasting ketosis, ketosis, ketosis. And I'm like, what is this word ketosis, which I've never heard. And basically discovered that my favorite thing about a fast was from day three when I felt superhuman and absolutely incredible. And my brain was working and, and no pain. And I just felt beyond amazing. And that there was this thing called ketosis and that I could keep eating in a way that would mean it would continue. So that's what me and my mum then did. We, we, decided we would continue this process to see what would happen and what what did happen for both of you um she she her effect well for me um I lost weight obviously but I lost all the pains when and that's why she started because by day three day four of my fast all my pains disappeared or about 80 90 percent just went Mm. and she saw that happening and was um basically just really wanted it for herself as well so she'd had uh, or has angina um stable angina but basically means that um Totnes is on quite a steep hill and and I live at the middle of the hill she lives at the top and there's a really good coffee shop at the bottom so if she if we went for coffee and um, between the bottom of town and, and the middle of town she'd have to stop at least three times because she had radiating pain down her left arm yeah um also she wasn't on any medication or anything but this had been maybe 24 years i think and um she also uh both our fathers died in the same six months and she'd had really bad sciatica um since then and so she she was limping and she had loads of pain down her hip she put in a second um, banister in her stairs because she couldn't use the stairs properly and um she was just in a lot of pain so so she started as well and day four most of the pain of the sciatica had gone Mm. and about a month into it I turned around and I and I said have you noticed your angina's less and she was like don't be so silly (laughs) and uh and about and so I didn't push it because I I'm I I observe a lot that's what what I do I like observing what, what changes happen to people and stuff so I, but I didn't push it. And then about a month later, she turned around and said, I think, I think you might be right. And actually when she's in ketosis, she doesn't have angina like at all. And, and over the three years, her, uh, if she starts introducing sourdough toast, for example, uh, it comes back oh. and it's really easy within three days. I'll be like, have you been eating toast? And she goes, only one piece. <laughs> like, yeah, but look, you've got, you know, You've got radiating pain again it's like yeah okay so go back to it again so it's a bit I think for the first year we were both very on it and now we kind of slip in and out and it and we spend time in India and Italy and so it's 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 become something that it's like fasting's a superpower yeah keto is medicine self-medicine can totally remedy anything that we put ourselves through by being more strictly in ketosis and low carb is for when 
life's stressful or we're in a country where we want to eat a gelato and it's become a it's become a very fluid um experience it's not like i am this it's well i am this but actually and also with the pandemic kind of lockdown hell realm um mentally i i i've not been able to um it's been so stressful i couldn't add i i'm not one who thinks you should add pain when you're in pain mm, yeah so i wasn't going to force myself i already stressed enough i haven't forced myself to do keto which i found really hard in this year so the first year absolutely spot on um this year has been much harder but fasting i can do really easily so i'll go kind of keto low carb fasting keto low carb fasting and i just yeah. let that role really i think that's quite a good thing to do though because your body doesn't know what to expect and it's constantly changing rather than getting comfortable in the one place yeah. and i know when i started i was very strict i wasn't strict in the beginning because i didn't know about it but once i knew about keto i was very strict so i didn't eat hardly anything off plan for a couple of years but now I sort of dip in and out and if I go on holiday I come off plan and then I'll go back on and and I, I don't know if that's a good thing or not actually but I'm sure it's better for my body to not know what's what's going on and when it's going to get food and when it isn't going to get food and things like that for my I feel like my body's what decides like I don't know I'm going to fast and I'll just wake up and my body goes we're fasting I'm like okay I didn't know and then <laughs> And then two days later or three days later or four days later or whatever, it goes, I'm going to eat that. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, I don't, I genuinely don't, fit, I, I don't plan it. It just, it just, it just does it when it feels like it. And I'm like, okay, you, you're the boss. You just do what you need. You know, that's, that's really amazing actually, because I just, I constantly think about food. It's like, mm. when am I going to eat? No, and I'm not in a way that beforehand, you know, you, I don't know about you, but, I was in a way I have to eat, you know, it's, it's lunchtime. I have to eat. It's supper time. I have to eat. And I was very, you know, what am I going to eat? And all these things around foods. It's not like that. Um, but in a sense, I still feel, ah, it's lunchtime. I'm going to eat. It's supper time. I'm going to eat, but it's just different food, but I'm not obsessed about it. However, if I think I'm not going to eat, then I start obsessing about food. Mm. if I think I'm going to fast, then I start obsessing about food. I I love that. So I love, I love Saturday morning being the morning of my day three, because I like watching James Martin cooking. <laughs> <laughs> just sit on my sofa going, that's just beautiful. No, I'm not a cook. I don't care about cooking in the slightest. <laughs> I, I They say that with keto and low carb or whatever, you become one of two people, either you're making keto buns, keto breads, cheesecakes, or you're happy with a lump of cheese and some olives. That's me. But on day three of my fast, I, I can watch Jamie Oliver and, and James Martin for hours and, and bake off and all that. It's just so beautiful, but I have no, I have no desire to actually do it. I just love watching it. It's very <laughs> weird. I've had a, I've had a thought about why it is though. I think it's very clever. I think it's, um, you know, when you're in ketosis and by about day three or but once you're in ketosis properly. So that first bit of being hungry, grumbly stomach, grumpy, all that 
it hasn't worked, you haven't eaten, your body knows it's not working. So it switches, it burns the glucose, switches into ketosis, and then you get into hunter mode. And I think your eyesight improves, your sense of smell improves, your hearing improves, and your mood improves so that you've got the energy to go and find your your food. I think that that for me is I think I'm in hunter mode when I'm looking at <laughs> programs and I have complete appreciation of the, the sight of it all or if I'm like in a restaurant and they're cooking food or or a bakery or something the smell of the smell of it is just bliss it's it's hilarious yeah but it's torture at the same time I don't mind <laughs> I really don't I really don't find it torturous I I kind of love it what what I because the spa so people were I've never been in a place where people are so focused on their food. So that either it was their last meal and they weren't going to eat for a week. So they were paying complete attention to everything or they were sipping this broth, which was like dishwater and looking across it because there was a really big restaurant there as well. So they'd be looking across at people eating their food with like complete Uh, I want that you know or you just started eating again so you were appreciating every single thing you ate yeah Yeah. it was bliss but if someone ate and they didn't pay any attention to their food and they just ate it I would get so annoyed at them (laughs) not caring it's really it's really funny what it does to the head yeah so for me it's in my mind because I can quite easily if I'm fasting I can sit with others while they're eating that doesn't bother me the fact that they're eating and I'm not but it's it's the mental telling myself and that's what I need to work on I think is to tell my not tell myself I want to eat I want to eat I want to eat maybe you should try indulging in in cookery programs and really like really appreciate instead of trying to stop that because it is a it's a mental tick isn't it it's a verbal in the brain I want I want want. and you don't you're not really hungry you feel completely fine but Mm. It's a, it's a funny old game. I can never understand the point of watching other people cook food on the TV. It's it's weird, like, it? You can't, you <laughs> it can't taste sense. it. You can't smell it. <laughs> Julian watches them all. He oh, it's so beautiful. watches loads. And it's like, really? What's the point? I, you know, I do sometimes get caught in, um, what's the one? The Great British Menu. Yeah. Um, and I, I was watching it a bit in the last season because I had I've got a thermomix and they have thermomixes. Um, and I was gonna see if they use them, but I just look and I think, really? And then most of the food that they're preparing is like, I wouldn't eat that. I don't want that. So, so bad for you. <laughs> so different. I couldn't care less about watching it when I'm not fasting. It's only when I'm fasting. <laughs> And the further into the fast I go, like a couple of really long ones, I've just lost like eight hours watching cookery programs. Oh, but that's but that's at that point is that I did a couple of I did um, a couple of two weeks and a sixteen days and a couple of ten days just water, just water, nearly just water, like two were just water, and uh, by then you just do lally anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) when you flit in and out so you said your body just tells you that you want to fast and that's it you're fast then do you go for a certain amount of time or do you just wait for your body to tell you "Eh, time's time to eat now I wait I I, I've got um a kind of thing so that if like if I got to three days then I would the first three days are always the trickiest aren't they because you're not really well, I don't know, sometimes not really in ketosis and it takes a while and it's a bit of a grind and 
if generally if anything's going to feel a bit weird it'll be in that three days and then I usually feel amazing I think now it's it's usually one day rather than three but it used to be like the first three days were tricky Mm. um but if I got to three days I I feel I feel good so then I'm like well I might as well do five you know and once you get to five it's like well I'm nearly at a week and then I know if I get to a week or 10 days is quite exciting and for me everything after three days is a bonus so so I I as soon as it's that mental game as soon as I've mentally relaxed which I do after three days I'm like everything is everything's a bonus after this because it's such it's a pleasure for me I I really love it um especially if I've got some kind of mental I need some mental energy or if I'm doing a lot of thinking or studying or something then uh, then to to fast um really helps I, I use it most fasting for me is mostly for my mind um it's not about weight uh, really isn't about weight it's definitely about mood and clarity yeah I don't think you can use fasting as yes you might lose weight over time but I find any weight that I lose during a fast I will put back on fairly quickly I will just go back to where I was before yeah doesn't yeah. stay off read hmm and I only, when I'm talking about fasting, I only really mean long fasting. I don't mean like um, time-restricted eating. No, yeah, me too. Yeah, so I, I use that differentiation of time-restricted eating or rather than fasting. Fasting for me is a long... Yeah, extended. Yeah, 40 hours minimum, but quite often more than that. So, yeah. And I haven't done any for ages because I've been doing more the protein sparing Mm. modified fast so that I am eating something in a day, even though it's a lot less and mostly protein. What's that? What is the protein sparing modified fast? So it's more like the, um, so you're fasting in a way because you're eating a lot lower calories than you would normally eat and normally need. Um, so usually around five to 800 calories a day. Yeah. And the real focus is on protein. So getting at least 100 grams of protein. Um, so maybe 30 to 50 grams of fat and not many carbs. So carbs, they reckon should be about 10%. So maybe 50 grams of carbs. Um, what does that look like in a meal? So for me... I don't quite manage it because I'm not very good on going light on the fat. Um, So I would have maybe a chicken breast and um, see, I've done it and I've put in halloumi and then that pushes the fat up a bit. So maybe a chicken breast and some other meaty, something might even be two chicken breasts and then, a few strawberries or something like that. Okay. I've, what I've noticed is like the first year, so I'm on three years of this. Um, the first year and to the second year was high fat. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely. That's, but now uh, my body wants protein more. And so I'm, and because I'm willing to introduce meat, but I'm very, very, odd with so I've just discovered or end of last summer I discovered that there were locally raised uh, locally raised beef 
So I've been buying uh, some beef burgers and I just fry them in, I, I fry it in um, coconut oil mm. um, and put some grated cheese on top. And that's, that's it. And it's like 99% beef, but, um, and they're local organic raised in fields yeah. six miles down the road or something. So, so, you know, it's a kind, kind way to approach meat. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important. Anyway, my body wants it, and I'm and I'm I'm now you know 48 perimenopausal. Everything's changing, and um, and clearly I have needs that I either didn't have before or weren't willing to act out or weren't conscious of. I don't know. Yeah, maybe just not conscious of it. That sounds interesting. That um, yeah. So I've I've tend to be do that. So I'll and I find it a little bit easier to to maybe just skip lunch and go for a meal around four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And then it's just that one meal. And then the next day I'm back eating again. So it, it takes the pressure off of the fasting side of it, I think. Mm-hmm. So you've been writing a book. Tell us about your book. Um, you can. My idea is, is that, um, is that uh, it basically I'm writing something that's a combination of travel writing and, and, informative for keto or low carb um and fasting and it's meant to be that anyone can do it anywhere in the world um on a budget not whatever the budget um and whatever style a person wants to do it in if they want to be vegetarian or whatever just just find a way that anyone can benefit and i spend a lot of time in india and thailand and um in india especially that's where me and my mum went so we were three months into keto and we, we went to the Himalayas and before, before we went there, I, when I was there on my own, um, cause I had a really strong idea to take my mum and she was very dubious indeed. She's got angina, can't deal with hills, um, has sciatica, can't deal with hills. <laughs> and it's difficult hills of the Himalayas, there are a hell of a lot of hills and where there aren't hills, there are steps and anything that is a hill or a step is also Indian. So it's wonky. There's like nothing even (laughs) or easy or simple for the human body in India. It's just a challenge upon challenge. Um, But everything, it it kind of gives everything that is deeply nourishing to the soul. But for the body, it's really hard work. So I had an idea that I really wanted to take my mum. She hadn't been for 20 years and she was deeply dubious, but got her into ketosis. (laughs) And um, and and suddenly she found herself saying yes. And so basically I'd been there um, a few months before we we got into all this. And I'd been looking at all the places where she would need taxis because I just thought, you know, I don't want to kill her. Mm. And I was deeply worried that I would because um, it's just lots of hills. And so basically uh, we we arrived and we our mission was to stay keto. So we were going to India for like five weeks We'd been three months in it and we're both getting so much benefit from it, but we weren't that adapted. So this this was definitely not where we were at yet. So our muscles were really odd. They were like sometimes strong, sometimes not. She gets lots of cramps. Um, anyway, we got there and we managed to make it work, which was just amazing. So and then I and then I've now started hearing people use the word ketosis in India and keto diet. And I'm just I've been going for 22 years or 24 years or something. And it's just astonishing to see that there is a change happening in the education there as well. Yeah. And I've met a few people who, who are keto in India and 
But on the flip side of it is that's a tiny, tiny fraction of people there know about it. The huge majority are eating so much carb, diabetes and everything, and obesity is rocketing. Like, mm. yes. Yeah, and they, uh, but they have the diabetes without necessarily the obesity, don't they? So they yeah. don't always know that they've got it. Yeah, this toffee, thin on the outside, fat on the inside, very typical Indian man especially, is skinny, skinny limbs and a little pot belly. And I don't think they've got the fat tolerance that, that we've got. So we've got we can we can put on more fat and it's less destructive. But for them, I think if they if they like with China and Thailand as well, if they put on sort of ten pounds, they're probably diabetic or pre diabetic. Yeah. It all just goes on the center. It's 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 just different. Yeah. Yeah. So it was mm-hmm. so, so yeah, so we we did it there. And it involved a lot of um, sort of self-negotiation with how we ate but we worked it out and it was fabulous and she didn't need taxis this was the this was the thing she got stronger and we basically spent a month just looking at each other in shock because she wasn't getting angina she was out of breath because she was having to walk not because of her heart yeah and the sciatica went away enough that she could she could move so yeah it was it was unbelievably eye-opening and and so that's what the book is the idea is is that it's a a non-scientific dry sort of academic book but it's you know to a mother and a daughter in the Himalayas trying to find omelettes to eat instead of right yummy <laughs> samosas <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that and just trying to trying to eat curry without rice and doing so and and doing quite well with it really yeah so is your mum still keto now three years down the line um again she just went off it a bit because we were just in india for six months um and that was a long old time to be there um but she's she's since we've come back she's had to pull it back back in again more strongly yeah Mm. (laughs) yeah so so tell us a little bit oh go on have you finished telling us about the book is it and when's it coming out coming out i don't know i'm on the first edit so i've written it um but uh but i i have a very weird <laughs> i have a weird personality quirk in that i can't concentrate unless i'm in a really busy cafe so <laughs> lockdowns absolutely stuffed me up because everything was shut um so i basically haven't looked at it for about a year and meanwhile somebody else proofread it which is great and so i'm doing the corrections that they've told me to do um, but at the same time, it's made me go, right, I need to split this into one book, but two halves. So one half will be the more how to do it. And the other half will be more the anecdotal travel writing side of it. Yeah. When's it out? God knows. But as long as there's no lockdowns, it will be out. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I can't concentrate in a quiet room. That's really weird because I cannot concentrate with noise. I, have I can't to. have any music or anything. I just silence is what I need. I can't. As soon as that happens, I start thinking of 10 million other things to do. But if I'm in a really noisy place with music and people walking around, then I can totally zoom in. <laughs> so tell us a bit about what does a day of eating look like for you? Um, I don't really eat or well, I don't really eat breakfast, like hardly ever. Um, I, as I said, I, it's not very entertaining. I'm, I'm just very like, I'll just eat some olives and some cheese and um if i make a salad then it'll be um lots of olives uh feta mozzarella olive oil 
chili flakes, olives. Um, I like putting an apple in it sometimes, like a little tart raven apple, especially if I'm premenstrual. I crave apples, so I, I'm like, okay, I'll have an apple. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a good fatty salad, like alfalfa sprouts and things like that. I'm not very big on lettuce, particularly. I don't really do that. Cherry tomatoes, a few. But mostly it's um, mozzarella with olives and avocado. I just love it. Um, or I just do this now occasional beef patty. Or I have a bit of fish out of the fish and chip shop, no chips. And I eat a little bit of the batter on top. But I tested it with the CGM. So if I don't eat much of the batter and I just eat a really big piece of fish, uh, blood sugar hardly goes up at all. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, so I just worked out kind of what, yeah, I'm not a very good student. You know, I'm not a very, I'm not, I'm not very good at doing what I'm told. I'm not, that's not my personality. So, but at the same time, I, I'm also not stupid and I really want the benefit. So I just try and get away with the the most efficient way of doing something that takes into account my personality as well as my body <laughs> yeah yeah oh, it's interesting you go for fish and for fish without the chips because i haven't had fish and chips in five years at mm. least so. i've i've found very strangely that i've broken a few of my fasts with this one particular place that has amazing fish and chips <laughs> but their batter is phenomenal and it's really crispy and i'll have it with loads of salt and vinegar and honestly i've done like a seven day fast and i've just seen this fish and chip shop it's in Torquay, so it's not in totnes but and i and i just go okay i'm having that now <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> that, you know i come from this background of fasting where it's like you eat a tiny bit of fruit because it's light and you introduce protein three days later. And actually <laughs> this animal, this animal thing of I don't eat, then I eat is, is a really relaxed way of being. And I know everybody's different. So some people would get a bad stomach or something. For me, it's fine. Yeah. Good. So what else do you want to tell us about? I think it's, I think one of the things I notice when I look on, um, like fasting sites or keto sites or low carb sites or whatever, people are very unkind to themselves. And I, I always try and offer a, um, a little bit more of a relaxed view because I think, yes, some people are very sick and they really, really need that discipline. But a lot of people are just trying to get healthier or trying to be a bit less sick and actually People are so judgmental on themselves about how they do things, especially women, especially with food, yeah. because so much of our upbringing is about our looks and about dieting and about judging and judging the space we take up, judging our bodies, judging how we eat, when we, what we, eat, everything from a from a big um, negation point of view. Actually, I've never thought about this. So I'm just thinking about this as I'm speaking, but we we. I don't, I've not ever been a diety type person, but when I look at friends and stuff, it's, it's a, you know, the calorie model of depriving, it's all about depriving actually with this way of eating, it's including, it's what you include. It's not what you just deprive. And so it's delicious and actually getting people to, to view themselves and their choices from a much more love perspective than a, self-hatred perspective I think is really important so now for me if I fast and I really want to do a long fast but my mind isn't in it I'll eat a couple of olives in the evening like five olives and I know it's fat it's not spiked the insulin I'm still getting the benefits and I'm complying because I'm 
letting myself do something I want without actually ruining what I'm doing in the grand scheme of things because the grand scheme of things is really big so like when people go off you know it's very easy for people to go into that whole mindset of I've ruined everything yeah and go completely haywire and then like weeks or months later rein themselves in again from a really like self-loathing perspective and I and I I want to encourage people that all the changes that you make accumulate into who you are and so if you're just changing 10% 5% 20% 30% and it's and that's your habit you're building because we all have you know what we are a product of our habits and getting out of that kind of like all or nothing i'm good i'm bad i hate myself i feel amazing you know just that whole extreme thing i think is quite valuable yeah. So I try and when people beat themselves up for doing stuff on these sites, I try and say, it's all right, you know, you've you've actually done really well. And yeah, okay, you ate something. Yeah. You, know, you have a body. You're working with like a lifetime of education and habit and comfort, needing comfort and feeling vulnerable or even even feeling good, you can feel vulnerable, can't you? Because people aren't especially if you can't hold a lot of fat around your body as a protection, then losing it or becoming stronger holds quite a responsibility if you're trying to keep yourself down or subconsciously protected or whatever. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what, I, what I'm thinking about with the subject. Yeah. And I, I think that's very true. And I think it is really important. And there was, and I, and I, and I probably was guilty of this in the beginning where you just say, no, that's not keto, but actually is it better than you would have done previously and if so that's fantastic you know I have if I've got a client and she says or he says you know whoever it is oh I had I don't know some pizza at the weekend it's well did you eat as much as you would have done previously on all the other rubbish that went with it no did you get back to your plan on the next day yes well then that's a thumbs up you know a slice of pizza is not going to kill you um and the thing is and for me it's more important that somebody builds that habit of just coming back to the healthy foods than the 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 one-off that you that you ate off plan yeah or even the week you know i went on holiday recently and most of it was okay but i still had I had quite a lot of alcohol. Uh, I didn't have ketogenic alcohol. Um, <laughs> I had all sorts of things. I had an ice cream. Three times I had an ice cream. In fact, on the last day, I had a crepe with an ice cream. And it's like, <laughs> it's a week. It's a week. It's not going to kill me and I'll get back to it. And and I think the, the downfall is, is when you're doing some sort of regime where you're depriving yourself and you're beating yourself up, is that then you have that one thing that's not bad and you throw in the towel and you say, that's it. I'm not good enough. I'm no good. I can't do it. And you just go back to your old ways. And if you go back to your old ways, you're guaranteed that you're not going to do it. Yeah, I agree. I do think that it's important to, to point out that nothing you eat is keto. You are in keto. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And you can measure it. And I'm just like that, that so I get loads of people who go well I ate that it's keto and I'm like yeah but it's not keto and you ate a whole load of toast for breakfast so just just work you know just 
getting that thing in. It's you who's in ketosis or not. Yeah. It's not what you eat. It's you. And, and, <laughs> and just because it says keto on the packet doesn't mean that it is. No, no. It doesn't mean it's going to help you, you or support you. Keto meals and then a whole load of Victoria sponge. You're <laughs> it doesn't matter if you feel like you've deprived yourself of two meals. <laughs> so just trying to get people to, to realize that they're changing their metabolic state and that in itself has has uh, benefits ketones themselves have benefits so if they want to have the benefits of ketones go keto if they just want to have a general improving in their bodies then go low carb and uh yeah yeah just just to yeah it's a it's a whole different way of looking at food isn't it is looking at it from a metabolic standpoint rather than a calories in or being good or yeah bad and all that does that food support you or doesn't it you know it's it's yeah. a supportive food or it's a non-supportive food yeah there's no good or bad attachment to it no no judgment no. and what's supportive for me might not be supportive for you exactly yeah. great so do you do any exercise anything like that you to me with looking at i can see your background and you're saying you're quite happy hippie do you do yoga and things like that uh, no <laughs> I've always been surrounded by people doing yoga uh, I'm luckily naturally fairly flexible so I don't I don't suffer um inflexibility but I am lazy uh terminally lazy but it's all changing at the moment and I'm I'm beginning to try and work out what I'm going to do for fitness and actually there's a few things I want to do which will involve my brain working better. So I'm trying to get my brain to be, um, I kind of want to be efficient. I'm, I'm a bit scatty and I'd like, and usually, or, or I'm either scatty or I'm obsessive. And if I'm obsessive, I'm obsessive about one subject. So I looked at keto about four to six hours a day for a year and a half mm. for every podcast every doctor, every scientist just listened as much as possible, learned as much as possible. Yeah. And it moved on to COVID. Then it moved on to cryptocurrency. And I think my next thing might be um, exercise. So I've just bought a vibration plate, which, which um, probably doesn't do very much for exercise, but should be good for um, just helping move inflammation and, and balance and stuff. And I've got a cross trainer arriving today, in fact. <laughs> so I've been listening to a lot of uh, Andrew Huberman Lab uh, podcasts where he talks a lot about um, everything to do with the health and the brain. And I'm really interested in maybe using the exercise in combination with food, in combination with timing of things um, for how my brain works, because I'd like my you know, the brain, my brain has been a subject because it didn't work for eight years. And yeah. I only just realized that I'm obsessive. I never knew. And so now I'm like, okay, well, if I'm an obsessive person, then I should, I should hook it onto something interesting for my benefit or what I'm creating's benefit. Yeah. Um, so that's what my look, what I'm looking at, at the moment. And I think maybe that's why protein's gone up as a need as well, because I actually need to fuel my head. Um, as well as muscles because I'm getting older and it's no fun yeah but what you don't want to do is I guess is mix the obsessiveness with the exercise 
So you don't want to be over-exercising. Highly unlikely that <laughs> I would go from my natural inclination. <laughs> I did life modelling for artists when I was 19. I literally made a job out of being still. And I could I could sit for a, an hour and a half without with only blinking. Like, I'm really good at being still. Um, so I can't imagine that that's what's going to happen. But I do like the idea of um, of using intellectually combining a bit of exercise and movement with uh with improving my brain i i like that and and people like him it's very interesting what what people are coming up with with podcasts how they're how they're linking so many aspects of us together mm. so that, so we can become like i do feel like fasting is a superpower it makes me feel genuinely excellent beyond excellent yeah and I like I like the idea of if eating could can do that as well, and if if maybe exercise can add to it, and if my mind and and what I'm thinking about also um, develops more focus, I think I think that would all be fabulous. So yeah. Do you notice a difference between so at the times when you're keto and the times when you're low carb? How that does that affect your brain? Because I would imagine that being much higher fat in ketosis is probably bathing your brain yeah much better and uh, and uh and and body as well everything is better when i'm keto or fasting everything is worse when i'm low carb except i feel a bit more emotionally comforted yeah. by, my, by my choices so and but it makes me dull uh it makes me have a lack of focus it makes me ache like I, that's the trade-off and at the moment I I'm I understand we're all under massive stress. I don't think the world is going back to where it was. I think this perpetual level of fear and anxiety that is on the news or in Twitter or wherever it is is like continuing or increasing for the next winter run of whatever happened, you know, whatever's gonna happen, or Ukraine or whatever. There's just this background stress all the time. And I and I I think for myself I am self-medicating with with carbs, even though I know that they give aspects of me a worse time. And luckily, I don't do it for very long, and I don't do it very much. And I and I remedy it with fasting. So there's and then I go keto, and there's just a very gentle cycle that's happening where I'm going between the three. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting. I'm certainly not going to go off and go back to what I was before that's that's not happening and I what I'm thinking is is that that actually the more I eat meat probably my brain will get and my body will get more of the fuel it actually wants it's just it's a it's a for me it's a oh you know I've never eaten meat and I've been told being a vegetarian is good the whole of my life yeah for me my mental thing of eating meat is it's a really big deal um and I just have to give my mind the time it needs to work itself out with that as a subject like if i eat these burgers i nuke them until they're basically charcoal because if i look in the middle and it looks a little bit pink i'm just like no i can't (laughs) and i like burnt foods i i love burnt toast if uh, i'm a bit weirdly obsessed with charcoal being a i like it and um and so i i nuke it till it doesn't look like meat and when you say nuke it is that in the microwave or not 
No, fine. Not oil. I don't have a microwave. <laughs> I'm the devil. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't have one either. <laughs> In Chinese medicine, so with acupuncture, they they take uh, all the yin out of food. They they so people will get um, very hot digestive systems with them um, because all the yin is stripped. The microwave burns all the yin, so all the moistening and nourishing side of food gets obliterated. Yeah. With, with and it changes the structure of the food. I mean, cooking changes the structure, but microwaving changes it even more and turns it almost, it, it's it's not nutrition for us then. No. It's not something that we can digest properly. So, yeah. I don't uh, in a year, if we talk, and, and I'm now on my, like, I eat raw meat, you'll be, you'll be amused <laughs> from this conversation because one never knows where one will go. With well, the there you go. You need <laughs> look, up, look up the episode on Lisa Bailey. And um, so if you look up the episode from Lisa Bailey, she's gone from vegetarian for 27 years to carnivore. Yeah. And she only eats animal products. Yeah. If I, I'm already thinking about trying it for a month, um, it literally, I have to, my body would do it. Uh, my body would be happy. My, my mind is dubious and so i just have to wait till my mind's on board my body is like let's do it let's do a month and i would i would be uh eggs and butter and it'd be all the animal products it'd be yeah. fish and it'd be red meat and it'd be chicken and i and i my body wants to do it my brain is like oh, i don't think i can handle that as an idea so i'm just waiting till we're all on board with ourselves me myself and i you know <laughs> <laughs> so once we're congruent i will probably try it when the planets align I'd so love, i'd love to try it it's only my head's like you are joking <laughs> i used to eat so much fruit i'm not joking i did a you know you put your stuff in chronometer and you get how many carbs you eat yeah i, I used to be on four to five hundred grams of carbs <laughs> a day and and a lot of that was punnets of strawberries apples oranges i used to do one month juice fasts and it wasn't all fruit juice but everything had a beetroot in a carrot in an orange in and uh, not an orange an apple in every juice had that as a base yeah and uh, and i do one month in may i'd, I'd time it with when uh, is uh, muslims were doing ramadan because i think it's really good to catch the energy of fasting so i always fast then but in those days i'd just come back from asia so i'd been in asia for six months and i was just craving um fresh what i thought i was craving was fresh like um vegetables and fruit so i would do a one month juice fast my juicer is now retired and i i eat a salad maybe every 10 days because that's when i want it and i used to live on them and i used to have loads of digestive problems from it and yeah. even now if i really want a salad i know i'll i know i'll be bloated in the evening like really really bloated in the evening but it's a proper want so i'm like okay because it's it's less free it's less it's not habitual yeah but um yeah so is your mum eating meat? Yeah, she when when my parents my parents got divorced in 1984, she ate meat from then, and my dad and me, her and my brother ate meat, and me and my dad stayed veggie. Ah, okay. So, yeah, and she has to eat a lot, and, and uh, not a lot. She doesn't eat a lot of anything, so I'm trying to get her to eat more, but she has to have meat. Yeah. So um, the other thing I was thinking is, you're saying you're going to give a carnivore a 30 day go. Yeah but you're not there yet. Does no. it have to be 30 days? Could it be one day and then maybe another time two days? Yeah. Yeah. I like the challenge. I can cope with that. <laughs> I, I, do. I will, I will do that. 
I'll do one day at a time. You know, you don't have to go from it's that all or nothing thing. You don't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be 30 days. I like that. I could do that. Well done. (laughs) <laughs> that got that got my brain going oh yeah why didn't I think of that <laughs> yeah good all right I'll do that and sometimes you do it without even thinking about it so I I will quite often have an, a carnival day just because I haven't really thought about it the other thing I was going to ask you we spoke about what you're eating and you said what you have for lunch but then what do you do dinner do you have dinner Tapa? Um, do you eat twice a day once a day I usually eat twice but that meal would be my kind of evening meal. Maybe lunch would just be some olives and a lump of cheese. It's really not, um, it's not that important in my head. Um, in the evenings, I like to eat. So what, 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 what you have? Well, what I said, really, that salad or the, or the burger with cheese. Oh, so that would be rather than, that would be your supper rather than yeah. a lunch thing. That'd yeah. Be, okay. That'd be my main thing. Yeah. I definitely don't eat a lot. I might not eat enough. I don't know. Maybe I need to find that out. But yeah. uh, I don't want a lot. Yeah, it's interesting. I do like chocolate. I do like Dan Greaves. Give him a plug. Dan Greaves, guilty, deliciously guilt-free. My God, that orange chocolate's fabulous. I'll have to try the orange one. And I do like like strawberries and cream, you know, raspberries and cream. Yeah. I like cream. We met over a jug of cream. We did. <laughs> we met over, I think, six jugs of cream. If there were six people on that table, everybody <laughs> had their own jug of cream. I felt like I'd met a family. <laughs> really. Yeah. And, and and there was quite a lot of cream, wasn't there? So there was. Um, quite often, if you ask for cream, they just give you a little smattering of cream. They were seriously warned, weren't they? What what we were like. This was a public health collaboration. Um, we should probably say so people understand what we're talking about. <laughs> no, we keep them intrigued. Uh, conference, three day conference. Yeah. Yeah, fabulous. Great. So, how can people get in contact with you if they want to make a connection with you? Um, Facebook, just uh, just my name, Maya Sutherland, M A I A um yeah that's the easiest that's the easiest okay so we always ask for you ask you for your three top tips and that could be for somebody whatever you want for somebody starting out somebody already on the journey what if you had to tell someone your top tips what would they be um i would i would say get get as informed as you possibly can uh from things like this podcast um, from public health collaboration uh, diet doctor website I would say those you know podcasts and and those sites are particularly good for people to just get an understanding of the benefits so you're looking at yourself from the benefits not what you're going to lose um, I would say absolutely change one meal um, completely if if you're if you're on the fence about keto or low carb or whatever, uh, make your breakfast or your supper keto completely, no carb, because that will extend the sleeping time. So what I usually it's breakfast, isn't it? People usually have their breakfast. So I'm just like, just because because your sleep is is you know eight hours and you haven't eaten for a couple of hours before you go to bed, if that first meal causes no insulin spike at all, you're basically fasting for two thirds of your day. 
Mm. You know, and it just that just that everyone can eat bacon and eggs or an omelette or something without toast and without potatoes. It's not it's not a leap. Don't have um, muesli and don't have porridge, but have an omelette or or have avocados, you know, whatever. But just just make sure that breakfast and have uh, coffee with butter or coffee with olive oil or, or coffee with cream, whatever suits you. But So have a high fat um no spike to the insulin breakfast i think is really good yeah um and good place be, to start and when you start this be clever with yourself uh have snacks at hand that are uh like macadamia nuts brazil nuts or uh, olives lumps of cheese piece of dried chicken you know piece of chick cooked chicken or whatever have snacks at hand uh, and salt <laughs> yeah so, when, so that when you have a craving and you're out and about, you don't get a sandwich from a from a shop or a bun or a muffin or something. And um, me and my mum, you know, we carried around little pots of nuts and and um, and olives and cheese with us everywhere when we first began because if we got wobbly, you know, because it takes a bit of time to get used to all this, and the salt the salt's deeply necessary. Um, and most of the weirdness you feel when you begin is is just your salt being peed out. So having salt on on nuts is is a brilliant, or having salt on in cheese is really good just to have that, so you don't get caught out. That yeah, mm. yeah. I've always got salt in my bag. I've, I've always got two things in my bag: salt and eighty five percent chocolate. Yeah, perfect. And if I need. I never, I hardly ever, I end up swapping the ch- chocolate bars around because I hardly ever use it, but it's always there. I think that really takes care of the mind. Yeah. And and the fear, you know, it's it's a big fear when you change because suddenly all these things you can't, you can't have, you know, like in quotation marks. Yes. You can't have. And actually for the beginning bit, it's really worthwhile doing I can't have because then you really get the benefit. And then if you make it, change it a little bit according to your needs that's great but initially do the i can't have but really include what you can have so you don't feel deprived of literal stuff yeah just changing how you do it and i think you know you said about having it with you and i think that's so key because you can't always find it when you're out well you you can guarantee that it's hard to find when you're out yeah carb-centric world yeah that it's, it's always a challenge and I found Marks and Spencer's is quite good because you can, they quite often will have slices of cheese or slices of ham or pots of olives, but a lot of other places, they don't have very much that you can just go in and buy. Yeah. Me and my mum do a thing sometimes if we go out and we want to have like a sandwich or something, we don't want to have a sandwich, but if that's what's there, then get something that's got a really good filling and get rid of two of the bits of bread and squish it together. So you're hardly having any bread, but you're having loads of the filling like mm. egg, egg mayonnaise or tuna or whatever, or, or we've just eaten the filling sometimes and not the bread. I mean, it's just depends what's going on, but you can, you can just get, you just get cunning with what you do you know, and it works. And the thing is, isn't it? You feel so good. You stop being invested in not feeling good. You get really invested in feeling good. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to feel good? Exactly. Well, Maya, thank you for coming on and sharing your experiences with us. Thank you. It was lovely. <laughs> it was lovely to chat with Maya. We had we did have a laugh. 
We've had some guests in the past who have turned to being vegetarian as they got older, but here was Maya who had been a vegetarian all of her life. As she said, she'd only had chicken three times in her life up to the age of 42. It must have been extremely challenging to have to let go of those beliefs that have been so ingrained over a lifetime. She recognised that her body needed animal protein because it was falling apart. I thought it was fascinating to hear how on the retreat they broke their fasts with high sugar fruits. Maya said, everything is better when I'm keto or fasting. Everything is worse when I'm low carb, except I feel a bit more emotionally comforted by my choices. And she recognises for her that being in ketosis, whether through food choices or fasting, works so much better for her than low carb but recognises also that sometimes we need the comforts of having those higher carb foods. Having her brain bathed in ketones is so much more beneficial for the damage caused. Like Louise, she's using keto to deal with the fallout of a motorcycle accident. So you can find the show notes at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero nine seven. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.